let's pray. Um, <clears throat> Father, the psalm says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Um, so I stand here, God, um, not sure if I'll goof up. So I ask you for strength, <clears throat> for courage to stand here before my brothers and sisters and bring them the word for their joy and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, what a strange way to start, emotional. <laughs> um, thank you, guys. Um, just want to thank the elders for encouraging us right from the start, hearing from us. Uh, listening to us, hearing our stories, and how God has been working in our hearts and our lives. Um, so church, you're wonderful elders, uh, even from here, as you were just talking to us, you are encouraging the both of us. So thank you, brother. Um, I just want to affirm the elders here in this church and for the way and ways in which they just met with us for half an hour plus and how they welcomed us here. Um, thank you, brothers and their families. <laughs> um, what I'd like to do this evening is um, um, look at a letter that Paul has written and just look at two verses from that letter and try to define um, the expression, the grace of God. Um, and we use that word a lot uh, in our lives. And so I'd just like to look at Paul's letter, to a second letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 8. We just look at the first two verses and try to define... Um, what the Bible means by the grace of God. Now, if I were to ask you what that word grace means, you'll all rightly say that it refers to, uh, it actually means undeserved favor or unmerited favor. It is a favor of God. It is God himself moving toward us out of compassion or pity to bless us with salvation. We don't deserve it. And we cannot earn it. We cannot work for it. We cannot buy it. And that's why we call it grace. <laughs> and where do we get that definition from? I think we get it from Ephesians 2. Paul says we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, by grace you have been saved. God has made us alive. This, this, we never deserved it, but God has made us alive. This is the power of grace. It makes dead people alive. Grace is powerful. Ephesians 1, all, all that we enjoy in Christ, justification, adoption, and forgiveness, and redemption, is to the praise of God's glorious grace. This is the word glorious grace. Grace is glorious. This is how powerful it is. And then in Titus 2, Paul says, grace appeared to us. Grace is a person. Grace appeared to us in, in the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to see grace, look at Jesus that's grace, but that's past grace, past. Grace that saved us is past grace. God breaking into our lives out of compassion and making dead souls alive in Christ. That's past grace. And then there is future grace. First Peter, when Peter writes to the church, um, Peter says, grace secures our future. So he says, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought about to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Grace will come 
to us in the future. It will come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is returning is grace coming to us. And we will receive a glorious future. That is grace too. Future grace coming to us. Future glory is brought to us by future grace. That's First Peter 2, 13. But what about now? Like right now, it's 7.57 and... Okay. <laughs> right now, it's not 7.57, right? Right now, it's 6.56. And it's, it's, it's been 14 seconds. I want grace at 6.57 coming to me. I want that as a Christian. I can't make it without that. What do we call that? Like, how do you explain that grace? What does the New, New Testament teach about present grace? What does it mean that we have grace right now? Like, now coming to us. That's 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2. Um, so I'm going to try to define present grace. Now, Paul doesn't define it for us. He just writes a letter, and it's obvious what present grace actually looks like in, in these two verses. So let me just read it for you. I'm reading the Christian Standard Bible, and this is the first two verses um, of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, Paul writes, about the grace of God. There it is. That was given to the churches of Macedonia. There's a recipient, the churches of Macedonia. And then there's a giver, God. What has he given? Grace. Grace of God given to the churches at Macedonia. So Macedonian churches received grace. What happened? And when did they receive it? That's verse 2. We're trying to define the grace of God. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's it. That's grace. That's what grace does. In a severe trial of affliction, not just affliction, but severe affliction, heavy affliction, like really burdensome. It was difficult. That was the setting. Not just mockery, like someone slapped your face. That's painful. Not just someone laughing at you, but someone throwing stones at you and the stone hitting you. That's pain. Severe trial of affliction. Severe. And in that setting, they receive the grace of God. Now, what do afflictions do to us? Well, it takes away joy. When I'm in pain, it's just hard to smile. It makes us weak. It creates doubts, doubts in us, and it, it just makes us, makes us upset and sad and frustrated. How long, O oh Lord? That's what afflictions do. Severe afflictions 
make one want to ask these kind of questions. How long, O oh Lord? But what does present grace do um, during a severe uh, trial brought about by affliction? Their abundant joy, abundance of joy, not just joy, but so much of joy in their afflictions. Struggles haven't ended and afflictions haven't ended, but so much joy in their struggles. But that's not all. He goes on to say, um, and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Extreme poverty, not poverty, like extreme poverty. Not just having $5 in your wallet, but minus Minus 50, if it makes sense. <laughs> Extreme poverty, like not having anything. They didn't have much money because this, this context is about giving. And Paul is using the Macedonian churches as an example to the church at Corinth. Hey, this is what giving looks like. But he says this is what the grace of God did to the churches in Macedonia. And they were really struggling. Extreme poverty. And what does present grace do? <laughs> wealth of generosity. Not just generosity, but a wealth of generosity. So much of giving when they really don't have enough. Is that crazy? <laughs> so much of giving when they don't have enough. Do you see what grace does there? Not having much much generosity, having much pain, much joy, much joy. That is the power of grace. And so I want to define what the grace of God actually is. Present grace of God available to any Christian, anyone who's put his faith in Christ. This is what he or she gets. It is the ability of God, verse 1. It's the grace of God. It comes from God. It's the ability of God to produce in you what you cannot produce on your own. Joy. It's the ability of God to produce in you what you cannot produce on your own in order to do what is really hard to do. Generosity. And you don't have much. Grace, present grace at 7.02, and it's going to hit 28 seconds. This is the grace coming to us. This is coming to us right now to produce in us what we cannot produce by ourselves on our own to do what, what we really find hard to do, like give generously. And I'm not thinking money, like generously serving. So that, according to chapter 9, verse 12, God is praised, Paul says. Uh, when such things happen, when joyful generosity happens, God is praised. You know why? Because joy and generosity is a gift produced by God. And only God can do that. But there's one more verse in chapter 9 of the same book. Verse 8. Chapter 9, verse 8. 
you haven't memorized this, memorize these words, friends. And God, he says, is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. At all times, this isn't conditional, like at all times, 704, I will get this grace from this person. Having everything you need. So I can at all times as a Christian say, I have everything I need. And God gives it abundantly. He isn't stingy. Loves to give. Generously. Didn't he give up his son? How much more? Romans say, how much more? If God did this to save us, how much more? Now the question is, how do I get it? How do I get this grace? What's the formula now? I'm guessing some of us are already thinking, how, how do I get this right now? After this prayer service, I'm going to go maybe having a conversation with my wife, with my son, with my daughter, with my neighbor. Tomorrow I'm going to have, I want this grace. I want to experience the power of present grace. I really want this. How do I get it? Well, it cannot be earned. It cannot be purchased. You and I cannot pray hard and bite. You and I cannot work hard to get it. You can't. So how do we get it? Well, the Bible says it's already yours. This regular, generous giving of God is something that Jesus purchased for us. God's faithfulness to his people to give them what they need so that they can excel in every good work is a blessing of the cross of Christ. It's a fruit of Jesus' work on behalf of us. So Jesus didn't just purchase our salvation. Jesus also purchased God's commitment to his people at all times, always. So, so I really don't have to do anything to get it. I don't. God's faithfulness is something that Jesus purchased for us. That means if Jesus has saved us by past grace, we will receive God's faithfulness now. We taste it. Jesus bought it for us. He purchased it by his blood. Grace in the past, grace in the future, grace for the present. You have it. Jesus bought it for you and me. It's ours. It's ours. Believe it. Believe it. You walk forward to 707. It's 77 right now. You enter 77 trusting in what God has promised you, his faithfulness in Christ. You, you, your faith in God's promise to supply all that you need. This is our response right now. I believe it. So I'm going to enter into this conversation 
I'm going to enter my parenting. I'm going to do parenting. I'm going to talk to my boss tomorrow. I'm going to talk to my neighbor tomorrow, trusting that I will experience grace. God's word says that. And grace is powerful. So I'm going to share with you something that happened. I hadn't planned this. I'm going to share with you something that happened two weeks back in my life. And what present grace did to me. Um, in Dubai, since our church really does not have a church building, the government hasn't given us the permission to meet. Um, so we have Friday online videos recorded, well, pre-recorded videos um, uploaded on Friday mornings. Friday is the Sunday for us there. And so this is Friday morning, online video, Vinima Church of Dubai. Uh, we start with the song. It's not live, but we start with the song, two songs, the pastoral prayer, um, praying for churches, praying for nations, reading of God's word, preaching of God's word, followed by two questions from the sermon. Now, the sermon uh, that one of our pastors preached you know, he's, he's been preaching through 2 Samuel, and he was preaching about David and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Um, before he began preaching, I just became quickly disturbed and irritated. I don't know why. Like, my fellow pastor did nothing to hurt me. Nothing. Just became angry and irritated. No joy or peace. I was just frustrated, like really frustrated. My 18-year-old daughter looked at me and said, are you angry? Like, no. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> and, and she said, well, it's obvious, Dad. Of course, it's obvious. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm just disturbed. The sermon has been on God's kindness, and I just couldn't focus on the sermon. As my fellow pastor was preaching, the flesh was at play telling me things. Do you remember that thing? Do you remember this thing? Do you remember that person in the church? Don't you think that person deserved discipline? See, nothing happened. I'm, this is what the flesh is telling me. As I'm listening to God's kindness, a picture of God's kindness in 2 Samuel. Well, friends, the flesh tells you lies. And so I walk away from the living room. And I go to my room and I start praying. I had just, just taught the church that the way to fight the flesh is by walking by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not gratify the desires of your flesh. I need something from God that will save me from frustration and give me joy. I want joy. Christians can talk to God and say, God, I need joy. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. I need joy right now, God-given God joy. So I, I had to go to the room, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, and I don't know why. I'm also frustrated that I don't know why I'm angry, too. So I'm really angry as I'm praying. And this is why scripture memorization is important. As I'm praying, God, the Spirit is at work, drew my attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You remember, Paul almost experienced death. Like, you really experience death. 
This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1. We, we felt we had received the sentence of death, death, but this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is, this is the worst that's hitting me as I pray. God who raises the dead. And I began to change my prayer, and I told God, I can feel the deadness that sin brings. I need life. Raise me to life that dead the deadness, that anger and envy and jealousy. It's all in my heart right now. I need life. And God's life gives me peace. The flesh is at work taking my joy away. I need joy. And I started reciting Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. I need joyful love, peaceful love. And then that morning I had read Proverbs 16. It says, happy is the man that trusts in the Lord. The man who trusts in the Lord will be happy. Happiness is a fruit of trusting in the Lord. And I'm telling God, if this is a fruit, I need that happiness now. Then I trust you to give me the joy. You see, God is for our joy. He is. And so I'm wrestling. And God took my attention to James chapter 4. You know, in James chapter 4, there's this one expression that God is the judge and the lawgiver. You know what had happened? I created a courtroom and I was the judge. I decided the verdict and I wanted it to happen. I was upset because justice was not served my way. That was pride. The flesh was asking me to take the place of God. And so now I started praying for forgiveness. I'm not asking for joy. Now I'm asking for forgiveness. So I started confessing that I chose to take the place of the judge and the lawgiver. God's seat. God's throne. I mean, there's only one righteous courtroom. And in that room, I was to be judged. Someone stood on behalf of us. Jesus Christ stood there took the judgment so that I need not stand in the courtroom anymore. I'm out of the courtroom. But now I create this courtroom and I have this other brother in the courtroom and I'm the judge. That's a heights of pride. I'm giving this verdict. And I was frustrated because I'm, my verdict was not fulfilled. And at the end of my prayer, I said, God, rescue others from my sin. You know, I'm not saying at the end of my prayer I was like <laughs> super happy, but I wasn't frustrated. I really wasn't. But God was producing joy and freedom in me. So I walked up to my wife and I confessed my sin. And I told her this was what was happening in my heart and flesh was so much at work that I lost joy. Present grace produces joy. And so Christians aren't passive people. They're actively fighting for joy. And so I want to encourage my brothers and sisters here in Rock Hill. <laughs> it is by faith in the working of God that we will taste the power of God's grace. Faith takes us to him. 
Faith makes us look to him. Faith waits for him to work. Faith is active faith. It isn't passive. It works by resting in the love of God for us in Christ. So maybe, maybe you're frustrated this evening. And you're thinking of parenting. Maybe you're really upset because you knew that you really didn't serve your wife today. And you don't have joy. Pastoring is hard. <laughs> Maybe it's possible that you're struggling. Because pastoring is hard. Maybe it is that you're struggling with bitterness and you've lost joy and you don't have it. And it's just hard to love generously. It's just hard to walk to that person and offer forgiveness and show genuine love, generous love. Well, 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 and 2 says, this is what God's grace does. It produces in us what we cannot produce by ourselves to do what we find hard to do. And so, brothers and sisters, walk toward that person knowing that the next second what comes to us is grace that Jesus Christ purchased for us. That grace is what will produce joy and love. So that as you taste and enjoy and experience this powerful grace that Jesus Christ purchased for us, you know, when people come to this church, like the church in Antioch, when Barnabas came to the church, he, it says he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. Like that's what we want churches, people who come to churches say. I saw God's great work, grace at work, and you're already seeing it. May that happen all the more. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are our Father, not because of great things that we have done, we haven't done anything great. We are dead in our sins. But you sent us your son, Jesus Christ. Grace came to us. And grace rescued us from evil and foolishness and pride and selfishness. It rescued us to Christ. And we thank you for the gift of salvation that is ours. And so we praise you for your glorious grace. But we also know, God, that grace is going to come to us when Jesus Christ will come and take his church to be with him forever. And until that day, we are not hopeless people. We have grace coming to us that Jesus Christ purchased for us. And I pray, O oh God, that this grace will continue to produce and increasingly produce a community here and a gospel witness here in the city, a community that is marked by God-given joy and God-produced generosity. So that when people come here, they will really say that we see the grace of God. Thank you for this church, for the love for us, and for the gospel witness that they have been in the city. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.